Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. Our listener support campaign continues. You can become one of our Patreon supporters for only $2 per month at patreon.greatdetectives.net. And I want to go ahead and thank our two latest Patreon supporters. Thank you to Shannon and Julie, both coming on board at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support. In addition, you can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net. Now it's time for this week's episode of Dangerous Assignment. The original air date is June the 26th, 1951, and the title is The Suspect Cylinder. Transcribed. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though. Trouble, but... When I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to wind up with my life being saved by a ghost. Morning, Commissioner. Ruth said you had an assignment for me. That's right, Steve. Well, what do I go chasing after this time? We already have it. What do you mean? This dictating machine cylinder. I don't get it. That's the point. Neither do I. Listen, I'll play it for you. Huh? That's enough to give you the idea, Steve. The rest of the cylinder is merely a collection of statistics on the individual European countries. Well, three cheers for the enemies of the common cold, but what's all that got to do with me? You see anything secret about this information? Of course not. And why would somebody offer an American $5,000 to smuggle this cylinder out of the country and take it to Europe? Why? Sure. Doesn't make sense, does it? Oh. Who is trying to smuggle it out? A young student named Emerson. He's waiting in the next room to tell you all he knows about it, which apparently isn't much. Where was he arrested? He wasn't. He turned himself in when he became convinced there was something fishy going on. I see. Where'd Emerson get the cylinder? From the secretary of the man who recorded it. She's in custody, but we haven't been able to get any information out of her. I suppose you've considered the possibility that the information on that cylinder might be in some kind of code. Our best crypt analysts haven't found the slightest indication that it is. Who recorded this thing, Commissioner? Anton Marty. Never heard of him. I'm not surprised. Neither have I. Apparently, he's an unimportant figure. Marty came over here from Europe to live after the war. He's employed by our government as a research consultant on European industry. Has he been investigated for loyalty? Completely. 
Mm, where is he now? En route to Europe by boat on official business. What kind of official business? Five days from now, in Naples, Italy, there's to be a very important conference relative to the setting up of the Continental Defense Corporation. Oh, yeah, that's the new company that's scheduled to manufacture a lot of war materials for Western Europe, isn't it? Yes, it's being organized and will be held by a man named Trasco. The idea is that raw materials from Western Europe will be channeled to the Continental Defense Corporation as a means of preventing them from filtering behind the Iron Curtain. Sounds like a pretty big deal. It's a tremendously vital one, as far as the Western European defense bloc is concerned. Anyway, Marty is en route to that meeting to serve as a consultant to our delegation. You think there's a connection between the cylinder and the Continental Defense Corporation? Not as far as we know. Well, look, I don't see what all the fuss is about, so somebody tried to smuggle a cylinder out of the country. We don't know why, but we've got the cylinder. We can't let it drop there, Steve, and I'll tell you why. Before we took this secretary into custody, we kept her under surveillance. She had a secret meeting with our old friend Gabor. Gabor? Sure, probably the toughest foreign agent we've ever had in our hair. You know Gabor never touches anything unless it's big, Steve. That's why I want you to find out what's important about that cylinder. Go anywhere and do anything you have to. But find out what this deal is all about. Well, that's it. You got your assignment? Good luck. National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. I've been handed a lot of snarled-up jobs in my time, but this takes the cake. A secretary offers a student 5,000 bucks to smuggle a recording of a report on the common cold to Europe. Nobody knows what the deal is all about, and lurking in the background is a well-known foreign agent with me in the middle trying to unravel it all. A real cinch. I go down the hall to the room where Emerson's waiting for me. Look, I tell you, I don't know what the deal's all about. Okay, okay. Suppose you tell me what you do know. Well, that isn't much. A couple of months ago, I decided to go to Europe. I'm an art student. I figured I could learn more over there. But how did the secretary figure in the deal? Well, I've dated her now and then, and that's all. Nothing serious, but she got real interested all of a sudden when I happened to mention that I was leaving for Europe. Go on. Well, she started giving me a lot of double talk, sort of pumping me to see where I stood politically. I see. Well, I knew she was up to something, so I went along with it to find out what. Well, finally, she worked around to ask me if I'd like to make some money. I, I said, sure. I was broke. She told me I'd get $5,000 if I'd take that cylinder over to Europe with me. Well, then I knew there was something pretty shady about the deal, particularly when she started in on the hocus-pocus. Hocus-pocus? What do you mean? Well, she said I was supposed to go to Italy, an amusement park outside of Rome, and the carousel. And what? Then I was supposed to give a password. What is it? I was to say, I've always wanted to ride in a carousel. Huh? The other party would reply, your parents must have been very strict with you. Then I was to pass over the cylinder and collect the money. I see. Did she ever mention a foreign agent by the name of Gabor? No. How about her boss, Anton Matty, the guy who made the recording? No, she never mentioned him either. Hmm. Well, all of this still doesn't give me much of a clue as to what this is all about, but if they go to all the trouble to rig a deal like this, complete with password, what was it again? I've always wanted to ride a carousel? That's right. And the reply was to be, your parents must have been very strict. Brother, what a routine. Hey, wait a minute. 
This girl's secretary is in custody, and they didn't tell her that you'd reported the deal to us. Well, I wouldn't know about that. Chances are that Gabor doesn't know it either, so if we kept you out of sight for a while, he'd think the scheme was in operation. Mr. Mitchell, I don't understand what you're getting at. I'm going to arrange a substitute for you, Emerson. Substitute? Mm-hmm. You, you mean somebody's going to take my place, take that cylinder to Europe? That's right. Well, who? Me. Well, I can't say I care for the idea of electing myself Mr. Clay Pigeon, but right now it looks like our only chance of finding out what the deal's all about. So I grab the next plane for Italy. It's Wednesday evening when I arrive in Rome. Outside the city, I locate the amusement park. It's a big setup, complete with Ferris wheel, carousel, shooting gallery, sideshows, the works. And right now it's going full blast. I head for the carousel. It's slowing down to a stop, but there's nobody riding on it. Then I spot the fat gent. He's standing to one side with his hand on one of the levers. And when he sees me, his face lights up like a pinball game. This could be my boy. I go over to him. Ah, good evening, signore. Good evening. Hi. You run this carousel? Si, signore. You're a tourist, no? Yeah, matter of fact, I just arrived from the United States. Oh, I see. Uh, I've always wanted to ride on a carousel. What's that? I said, I've always wanted to ride on a carousel. Well, don't be bashful, senor. Step right up. It's high time you did. What? I look to have you as a customer, senor. Oh, fine. Look, I didn't really want... Senor, please. Now, don't be embarrassed. I have many grown men ride my carousel. Here, I help you. Which animal you like? Now, wait a minute. Senor, you have always wanted to ride a carousel? You shall ride a carousel. I insist. Before I can stop him, two Tontonis hoisted me aboard. He yanks at the lever, and there I am, galloping gracefully around on a giraffe, all of which isn't exactly the way I planned for things to work out. Nice ride, no? What? Hey, where'd you come from? You seem to be enjoying your ride. I thought I would join you on this somewhat tattered-looking ride. You must specialize in trick riding. I didn't see you climb on. I just say that I am an expert at riding the carousel. Oh? And you, sir? What about me? Are you an expert? No, strictly an amateur. Your first ride, Brian. My first ride. But perhaps you have been looking forward to this for some time. Yeah. Matter of fact, I've always wanted to ride on a carousel. Your parents must have been quite strict. Well, what do you know? No wonder Fatso didn't tumble to the password, so you're my boy. I am your boy, and I am sorry. Now, the cylinder, please. Huh? You will please give me the cylinder. Not so fast. If you think I'm going to hand this over to you, you've been riding these carousels too long, Sarvik. I'll deliver this cylinder in person and collect for it. Well, done. We will get off the carousel. Now? See, it is not moving very fast. I will go first. Come in. Okay. Uh, Now what, Sarvik? Follow me. Hey, look, Sarvik, we've been walking about an hour, seems like. Where are we heading, anyway? You wish to deliver the cylinder in person, therefore I'm taking you to my superior. Here, uh, into the saddle. Well, here we are at last. I don't see anything, just a dark alley. Indeed. But for you, it is the end of the trip. Hey, a knife. For you. And for me, this cylinder. Guess again, Buster. Uh, That's better. Now I'll... He gives me a sudden knee into the breadbasket that doubles me over like a croquet wicket. By the time I get my wind back and scramble to my feet, he's taken off. I pound down the alley after him, but he's got too big a start on me, so I finally give up. Right now, I'm not sure where I stand in the deal. 
Are they on to me, or was Sarvik trying to pull some kind of a fast one? But I know I'm in it too deep to back out now. And then I remember the fat boy who ran the carousel. Maybe he knows Sarvik and give me some kind of a lead. I head back to the amusement park. Fatso is still standing by the carousel. But just as I'm about to collar him, a figure steps out of the shadows in front of me. And I mean a figure. Hello. Well, hi. You do not really want to talk to the fat old man. No? No. You would rather talk to me. No argument there, but... Unfortunately, I've got business with the carousel pilot, but maybe later... Oh, your business is with me. How do you mean? Oh, to begin with, you might tell me you have always wanted to ride on a carousel. Hey. To which I might reply that your parents must have been very strict with you. You know, this tune must be on the hip parade. I think you. The last time I tried out that password, a little gent tried to tickle my ribs with a knife. But I do not understand. I am the one who was supposed to meet you here. Oh, I'm a little late, but uh, you tell me, please, who was this man? He told me his name was Sarvik. Sarvik? Does that ring a bell? No. No, I have never heard the name before, senor. You did not give him the cylinder? No. Oh, good. I'm uh, not too late after all, huh? Please, uh, to give it to me, huh, senor? I will deliver it, and then... Here we go again. Senor? Look... I'll tell you the same as I told Sarvik. I'm going to deliver the cylinder personally and collect for it. Oh, but that would be awkward. Not as awkward as if I don't deliver it at all. You do not trust me. You're so right. <gasps> Very well, you come with me. Oh, no. What's the matter now? Look, you and Sarvik must have rehearsed your routine together. That's what he said, too. Come with me. So I did. Almost wound up dead. But, Finio, how you could get dead with me? That's what I don't want to find out. All I want you to do is come to that small cafe over there with me. Oh. Don't tell me that's headquarters for this operation. <laughs> no, senor. But there is a telephone there. I will telephone the person I work for. Okay. Tell him to meet us here and to bring the money. sit there at the bar waiting for her after a while, it dawns on me this is quite a long telephone call. Suddenly, I get a hunch she's taken a powder on me. I push aside the drapes at the entrance to the hall and start down at them. I spot Carlotta still sitting in the telephone booth. So she didn't take a powder on me after all. I go up to the booth and open the door. And then, all of a sudden, I see why it's taken her so long to make the call. After all, you can't carry on much of a phone conversation with a knife in your back. Back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. I ease Carlotta's body out of the phone booth, and then I see that the receiver is still off the hook. I pick it up and listen. getting nowhere fast. I don't know who knifed Carlotta. I don't know who she was talking to when it happened, and all I've got to go on is a voice and a violin. I pick up the phone again and call the police. Ten minutes later, Lieutenant Umberto prances in a guy I've worked with before. He's a dapper little gent with a monocle, and undoubtedly the guy for whom the alphabet soup was invented. So, we have the following item. A, the body of a girl killed by a knife in the back. B, the knife. C, the contents of her purse, which identify her as one Colotta Donato. 
D? Look, Umberto, before you use up the alphabet, I'd better fill you in on the background. As I was about to say, item D, background. Yeah. For you to supply, Mitchell, please proceed. Well, I'll give you what I know, which isn't much. An inconspicuous little character named Anton Matty dictates a report on the common cold in Europe. His secretary, who apparently is working with a red-hot foreign agent named Gabor, swipes the cylinder and offers an American student 5,000 bucks to smuggle it to Europe and deliver it here in Rome. Eh, Senor Mitchell. I know, I know. If it sounds confusing, it's because it is. But you haven't heard the half of it yet. I decide to deliver the cylinder in place of the student. I slip the password to a little gent named Sarvik on a merry-go-round. He leads me into an alley and tries to slip a knife under my ribs. Indeed? Indeed. I go back to the merry-go-round and try out the password again, this time on Carlotta. Then she promptly gets herself killed, all of which still leaves me without any idea as to who wants the cylinder and why. Uh, Senor Mitchell, cases like this I uh, usually file on the item eggs. That's a good heading for this one, believe me. You say you found some identification papers in Colada's purse? Anything else? Si, si, senor. Item E, money. Fifty lire. Item F, a good luck charm from a place called Antonio's Cafe. Item G, a match folder from the Hotel Imperia here in Rome. Item H, a train ticket to Naples for tomorrow morning. Let's start tracing items E through H and see if we get any kind of a line on Carlotta. I head to the railroad depot and finally locate the clerk who sold Carlotta the ticket, but he doesn't remember if she was alone or if not, who was with her. Then I try Antonio's cafe, but I find out they give out those good luck charms to all their customers. So I meet Lieutenant Umberto at the Hotel Imperia, and one look at his face tells me he hasn't had any better luck. Uh, there is no record of Colotta Donato having registered here, Mitchell. I was afraid of that. Just because she has a match folder with the name of this hotel doesn't mean that she was a star boarder here. I know, senor, but I was hoping that... I was, too. Well, what do you suggest now, Mitchell? Hey, you've got me. Well, I guess we'd better... Uh, what is it? Hold it a minute. Listen, isn't that a violin playing? I see. Sounds like one. Where's it coming from? Why, I don't know. Right over there, the bar. Yeah, that's it, all right. Come on, let's go over to the entrance. But, Mitchell, what is so unusual about the violin playing? Nothing, except that when I picked up the receiver after I discovered Carlotta's body in the phone booth, I could hear a guy saying hello. I could also hear a violin playing in the background. So? Here, this will do. Ah, there. There is the violin player down at the far end of the bar, Mitchell. Yeah, and there's a phone sitting on the bar, too. So Carlotta could have been calling someone here, all right. The question is, who? Eh? There are quite a few people in here. Yeah, it could have been any one of them. Come on, let's go in. Do you think that you would recognize the voice again if you heard it, Mitchell? I don't know. Signores? Scotch. Uh, Vermouth. Uh, si. Mitchell, the bartender. Yeah, I thought of him, too, but I don't recognize his voice. Trouble is, all I heard the guy on the phone say was hello a few times. Not much to go on. Well, try listening to the voices of the other people in here. Okay. Well? How can you pick one voice out of that hodgepodge? Bartender. Bartender. See, see, it's almost impossible. Hold it. See? What is it, Mitchell? Quiet. I'm going to my room. If another call comes for me, have it transferred there. Very well, Signor Trasco. Trasco, Trasco, where have I heard that name? And the voice, I think it's the one, but I've got to be sure, and there's only one way to find out. I slip out into the lobby, and from the phone booth there, I can see into the bar. 
I call and ask for Trasco. Then I watch the bartender hurry out into the lobby, collar Trasco, and lead him back to the phone in the bar. Hello? 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 Yeah, no doubt about it anymore. The same voice I heard over the phone right after Collada was killed. Hello? Uh, hello? You still interested in that cylinder? Yes. Yes. You have it? That's right, Trasco. How do you know my name? Never mind. Where can we meet? One moment. What's the matter? Carlotta was supposed to get the cylinder from you and bring it to me. Where is she? I'll fill you in on that when I see you. I'm not sure I trust you. Look, do you want the cylinder or don't you? Very well. Know where the amusement park is, the place where you contacted Carlotta? Sure. There is a quiet side road just before you get there. Be there in one hour. A car will be parked off the road under the trees. I will be in the car. Okay, have the money ready. Yes, one thing more. What's that? Be sure you come alone. Yeah, you do likewise. I'll see you in an hour. Well, he's the one, Mitchell? Yeah, he's the one, all right. Hold it, Umberto. Here he comes out of the bar. Uh, he obviously does not guess that call came from right here in the lobby. Going up to his room, look... Have you ever heard the name Trasco before? It, Trasco? Tra- no. No, I don't think so. Well, I have. Only trouble is I can't remember where. Hey, wait. The commissioner. The commissioner? What is it, this commissioner? Stick around. I've got to put a call through to the United States. Hello? Hello, is that you, Steve? Yeah. Jiggle the phone, Commissioner. This is a lousy connection. That better? Yeah. Glad you call, Steve. You finally located Anton Mari. The guy who made the recording? Yes, he's in Naples, waiting for that conference on the Continental Defense Corporation to start tomorrow. But he hasn't the slightest idea why that cylinder should be so important. Commissioner, did you mention the name Trasco to me? Trasco? Why, yes, Steve. Trasco's the name of the man who organized the Continental Defense Corporation. Yeah, I remember now. He's the big boy in the deal, huh? That's right. Why? I'm not sure yet, Commissioner. There are still a lot of missing pieces, but I'm going to try and slide a few of them in place right now. So long, Commissioner, and thanks. Okay, Umberto. I'm heading for that meeting with Trasco. Give me about ten minutes alone with him, and then close in. I drive out of the city towards the amusement park and then turn off on the side road Trasco told me about. I spot a car parked off the road, so I park my own and walk over to it. Get in the back seat here. Okay. Where is the cylinder? Right here. Hey, uh, what have you got there on the seat? Portable playback. Battery set. Oh, brother, you're well equipped. There's no time to lose. I must find out definitely tonight, one way or the other. Find out? There. No. Survey of European industry for the first three months of 1951. It is he. It is he. Anton Matichek. I thought his name was Anton Mati. Perhaps he calls himself that now, but his real name is Matichek. So, I found that just in time. In time for what? That does not concern you. You are merely a messenger in this affair. You have brought me this cylinder. You will be paid for it. That is the end of it as far as you're concerned. Okay, so it's me. Incidentally, you still have not told me why you did not deliver this cylinder to Carlotta. She got taken dead. What? Yeah, while she was talking to you on the phone. So, that is why the connection was broken off. You killed her? No, I think it was a character named Sarvik. Sarvik? That name ring a bell? So, they do not trust me. They have me investigated. Send a miserable snoop of a Sarvik to check upon me. And after the service I have given them... Look. This Sarvik, 
he did not hear the voice on the cylinder? No, he tried to get it away from me, but I didn't like his methods, which consisted of a knife in my ribs. Ah, then I'm still secure. Take care of Matichek before the meeting. Savik and the party will not even know it was Matichek. As I will destroy the cylinder and then I will... You are wrong, Roscoe. Savik. Quite still, both of you. Good, Roscoe. You think your little secret is safe? Look, Savik, listen to me. One of the most important projects we have have undertaken. The Continental Defense Corporation and you would ruin it all. So, the Continental Defense Corporation is just a front, huh? Pretty smart. You know, it is vital that you not be identified as one of Astrasco. Yet here is a man, Anton Matajek, who will attend the conference tomorrow. He will see you there and recognize you from the old days. He will know who you are, that you are one of us. Our plan will be ruined. No, no, I will kill Merchik before the meeting. I swear it, nobody will know. That is not good enough, Trasko. If Matajek knows, perhaps others will too. No. And I must inform you that you will be dealt with severely for trying to cover up the fact that you are a bad risk for us. Give me that cylinder. Savik, I said, give it to me. Very well. Here. Trasko flips the cylinder in Sarvik's face and jerks a gun out of his pocket. Sarvik recovers fast, but not fast enough. So, and now, sir, with you out of the way, my secret will be safe. He swings a gun towards me and I dive at him. It's a dead heat. Something hot creases my skull and I hit the floorboards. I guess I'm out only a few seconds. When I come to, Lieutenant Umberto is standing beside the car, pumping lead down the road. Mitchell, you all right? Yeah, just parted my hair the hard way. Where'd Trasco go? You climb over that wall. Come on. Amusement Park's on the other side of the wall, isn't it? Yes, yes, see? Yeah, if he mingles with the people in there, we'll have trouble spotting him. I do not think there is much of a crowd now. It's rather late. I think we can grab the top of the wall if we jump. Yeah, I've got it. Okay. Come on, I'll give you a hand. All right. Up you come. Grazie. Eh, not much of a crowd in the ground. Come. Now, let's sit here on top of the wall a moment. I think we'll have a better chance of spotting him from up here. Perhaps you're right. Mitchell, were you able to find out what this is all about before the shooting started? Pretty much. From what I could piece together, it breaks down something like this. The Continental Defense Corporation is a front organized by the Iron Curtain kids. What? Yeah, pretty sharp scheme, too. They get the Western European countries to channel all their raw materials into the corporation, then... They either sabotage the defense program or maybe filter a lot of the stuff behind the Iron Curtain. And this is Trasco. He was the head of it? The figurehead. They probably picked him because he'd kept his affiliation with them secret. But then he learned that a guy named Anton Matty was scheduled to attend the conference. He was afraid this was Anton Matichek, a guy who used to know him in the old days in Europe. A guy who could put the finger on him as a party boy. And so he had the cylinder stolen to make a search. That's eh? right. He intended to knock off Matty or Matichek before the conference tomorrow. You figured he'd be in the clear that way. Eh. But this other man, the dead one in the car. Sarvik, the party sent him to investigate Trasco. And he tumbled to Trasco's scheme and didn't like it. So, hey. <laughs> what is it? Look, slipping into that building over there. It's a Trasco. Come on, jump. <laughs> Did he see us? I do not know. He went inside. Let's go. What's that sign on the building say, Humberto? It's called the House of Terrors. House of Terrors? Oh, great. A spook palace yet. Okay. You go around the other side and cover the exit, Humberto. I'm going in. (laughs) 
I shove open the door and duck in fast. It's dark. The joint is typical, assorted groans and wild laughs. I start threading my way through, and halfway through, the floor heaves under me. I lurch to one side and grab a handrail to steady myself. Suddenly, a large ghost-like figure is flapping in front of my face. I swallow my Adam's apple and poke at it. It's a sheet. Tripped into action when I grab the handrail. I start moving again and sweating. Still no sign of Trasco. Then, all of a sudden, a gun in my ribs. Turn around. I have no desire to meet your friend at the exit. We are going out the way we came in. Move. We start walking. If I don't think of something fast, I'm cooked. Then I remember the handrail and the sheet. I hope it never misses. We reach the spot. Then I grab for the rail, and sure enough, the ghost flaps out in front of us. Thanks, Spook. Mitchell. Mitchell, where are you? Right here, Umberto. Oh, and Chasco. Also right here, horizontal, with the help of my friend, the Spook. <laughs> so... You and this friend of yours, you're too much of a Trasco, huh? <laughs> you might say that against the two of us, Trasco didn't have the ghost of a chance. Death on our highways is ever-present. Full control of your car and attention to traffic conditions will cut down accidents. Observe the truck driver in front of you, then drive as carefully as he does. The life you save may be mine or your own. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian Jondo, with music by Robert Armbruster, and is produced and directed by Bill Karn. Others in the cast were Tony Barrett, Stacey Harris, Don Diamond, Betty Lou Gerson, Lou Krugman, and Raymond Burr. Be with us again next week at this time, when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another Dangerous Assignment. The death toll on America's highways has surpassed the total of any single war. Primary causes are speed, carelessness, and lack of courtesy. A good rule to follow is that of America's friendly truck drivers. Consideration and courtesy to all motorists. Remember, the life you save may be your own. Dangerous Assignment came to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Welcome back. Well, a pretty good episode. I enjoyed the mystery. I thought it was clever to have the reason this tape was being smuggled out of the country to be not related to the contents, but to the voice on the tape. Because apparently our villain had seen a picture of the guy coming from Washington, but wasn't 100% sure that it was actually him. So he wanted to hear the audio. Also, in terms of Soviet plots, I, I thought that this was a clever idea of leveraging concerns about the Soviets gaining access to 
Western arms in order to set up a corporation that would give the Soviets access to Western arms. I also appreciated, because I've teased the series about being super vague, about what nations and what opponents were actually talking about. It felt like this episode was doing a whole lot less of the beating around the bush. So I welcome that. Overall, just a really solid episode. Now it's time to talk about our plans for Wednesdays and Season 15. And the big news is that in Season 15, we will start playing Broadway Is My Beat. This is a series that a lot of people have been eager for us to play, and so I appreciate your patience. And some more is required, as we still have around 40 weeks of Dangerous Assignment left, but next summer we are going to get into Broadway Is My Beat. It's a great series, and I'm looking forward to bringing it to you. Of course, on the downside, it does mark the end of a six-year period where, since the end of Dangerous Assignment, Wednesdays have featured stories with an international flavor, beginning with Rocky Jordan, and then The Man Called X, and finally Dangerous Assignment. It's been a great run through these series, but I think people are really going to enjoy Broadway as my beat once that starts to play. And that will carry us through the rest of season 15, and through 16 and 17, and through most of the way through season 18. Just as is the case with The Falcon on Mondays, I don't really have planned what happens once we finish Broadway is my beat. Uh, That's even further down the line and will obviously be influenced by what I end up doing on Mondays. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback and Emmett writes in on Facebook regarding Operation Hotfoot. I enjoyed this episode. It was good to hear Lord Byron again. Well, I would agree, Emmett. Thanks so much. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Harry. Harry has been one of our Patreon supporters since August 2015, currently supporting the podcast at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Harry. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. If you're listening on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. All those great things that can help uh, YouTube channels grow. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Dangerous Assignment, but join us back here tomorrow for Mr. Chameleon, where... Will you let me through here? Let me through, please. Hello, Officer Casey. Where's Detective Sergeant Arnold? Right in there, Mr. Chameleon. It's a nasty job. Yes, sounds as if it were. Dave, hello. Mr. Chameleon, don't tell me they sent you down. Why not? Tell me a blind beggar had been murdered, stabbed to death. Let's have a look at him. He was known around these parts as Blind Barney. As you can see, he has all the paraphernalia of a beggar. Hmm. Only he wasn't blind. What? No, I don't think so, Dave. The coroner will have to verify it, but I'm pretty sure this man could see. Look at his eyeballs. What's this? Yeah. Someone carved an X on his cheek. Yes, so they did. An X? What could that be, do you suppose? A brand? A warning? 
I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.